0: There are some sermon notes that go with this morning's message, so if you have not got any sermon notes when you came in, if you could uh, put your hand up, I'm sure that our hosts will get them into your hands uh, as soon as uh, they can, so to put your hand up nice and tall so that they can see them. Inside your notes, you'll also see that there's a flyer for our IC team night with Sam tomorrow, so we're looking forward to that. Set that aside in your calendar, it's going to be a great, great night. So welcome to church, this is uh, part three this morning of a series that we're doing called It's Tool Time. This series is actually designed to help people enter into a simple yet possibly life-changing conversation with those who do not know Christ. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your Spirit coming alive within us, your word would come alive in us, it'd vibrate with us, it'd activate us, it'd, it'd compel us to, to rise up in the strength and the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit as we make a decision, a conscious, deliberate choice to say, I'm not going to remain silent anymore, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to do it with wisdom and with the tools that you give me in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28-29 says this, Christ is our message. And uh, this is something that um, I had a conversation with uh, only this last week. Uh, I was at a a business breakfast um, at uh, the Prancing Pony Brewery only last uh, Wednesday morning uh, with a whole heap of other business leaders. The keynote speakers were Peter Daniels, uh, who's a business leader, uh, and also uh, Mr. Henry Olongu, who is a Zimbabwean cricketer, man of great faith, and it was just an incredible morning. But as we were sitting down on our table speaking with other business leaders that I had no clue about, the, you know, I was asking about their business, how things are going, what things are, stuff like that. And they asked me, you know, like, uh, what, what do you do for a business? Well, <laughs> if there's ever an open door, that was it. So I walked through the door. And I said, well, I'm a pastor of a church. And, uh, and I said, that, you know, they said, well, why are you at a business leaders? mate it was great question it's a really I actually believe that uh, uh, that the church needs to reinvent itself I actually believe that our message is Christ and that message will never change but the methodologies that the church employs must change so I'm here to get ideas, to lean into your wisdom. I'm hoping to learn from you and your business and how you conduct your business that it might give me ideas and how we as a church might be able to reinvent ourselves because unless we do, the church will die and close its doors. And I said that, for me, as a leader, is unacceptable. So that's why Christ is our message. Christ is our message. Turn to the person next to you, say, Christ is our message. But the way we convey that message must change. It's got to be relevant, contemporary. It's got to be alive and vibrant. It's got to be done with thought and wisdom, okay? So in this passage it says, we speak to awaken hearts. That's why we speak. Uh, The message is Christ, and we've got to speak to awaken hearts to, to Christ, to bring everyone into the full understanding of truth using all the wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. Wisdom, we're using all the wisdom that God's given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. And that's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power working in me. See, I don't know about you, but sadly a lot of us have not used wisdom in our approach to reaching others or awakening hearts or bringing everyone into a full understanding of the truth. There's been times where I've blown it and I've said the wrong thing. Uh, what i've done is to actually use a tool that god's given me in a wrong way. now you, now you're not going to be able to see this, okay? but this is a screwdriver, okay? it's it's used for doing up screws, okay, flathead screws because it's it's not a like a Phillips head screwdriver, it's a flathead screwdriver. it's used for screwing things in and for unscrewing things, to fix things to walls and stuff like this. what you probably can't see is that this is actually bent. There is a slight bend in this this screwdriver. And I can tell you now, it's not because of the torque or the forces that I was placing on it to screw or unscrew a screw. It was because I was using this as a jemmy bar. (laughs) This is not a jemmy bar. It is a screwdriver. I was using it for the wrong thing and I bent my tool so that now, if I was to use this, and I have tried to, it's because it's slightly out, you have to keep readjusting it in the slot of the screw because it keeps getting out of alignment because there's a bend in my <laughs> screwdriver. If I needed a jemmy bar, what should I have done? A Gotten a jemmy bar or employed a professional who could do the job properly instead of me just... What you'll also notice is that there are dents in the, the end of my screwdriver where I have used it as a chisel. I've tried to chisel pieces of wood because I couldn't be bothered going into my carport where my chisels were to... I was just being lazy. And sometimes with the gifts that we use to reach our community, we use the wrong tool for the wrong job. Or we use a good tool that we, should, and we know how to use properly, but we use it improperly or incorrectly, and we bend our screwdrivers. So there's all sorts of screwdrivers that we've got here. We've got all sorts of tools. There's a, a file that I use for my uh, my chainsaw. I, I, I sharpen my chainsaw. It's always good to have a sharp chainsaw. Yeah. Absolutely. Trust me, it is. I've got Allen keys. I've got a Stanley knife, okay, let's go. look at that, fantastic. Don't play with the sharp end. Cool. So this, there's tools that we have that we can use uh, to, to do different things. And, and this series called It's Tool Time is, is designed to provide us with the wisdom to use the tools that God's given to us to be effective and to produce a work of quality when it comes to having a spiritual conversation with the people who don't know Christ yet. It's, it's a means of us using the things that God's given to us to do that. Uh, this series is based on a book called The Nine Arts of Spiritual Conversations. And you've got a picture of those in, that, that book cover in your, your, your notes. Uh, I have two copies of that book, uh, if anyone would like them, at 20 bucks each. If you would like a copy of that book, you must see me afterwards, um, and I'll, I can get those books, the couple of books for you. The book actually provides wisdom uh, that we need to have a spiritual conversation with people that we live with, that we work with, uh, and that we come into contact with dur- during our day. It gives us nine simple practices everyone can use to talk with and engage with others in a spiritual conversation. Those nine arts or those nine practices are noticing. And In part two of this series, I talked about noticing. Today, we're going to be talking about praying. That's number three. We talk about listening, asking questions, loving, welcoming, facilitating, serving together, and last of all, we talk about the art of sharing our faith with someone else, because I believe that sometimes we start sharing our faith way too early. You know, um, who knows that when you pick fruit off of a tree, you don't want the unripe fruit, okay? You want ripe fruit, is that right? I mean, you want the the the, the juices in in your peach just like almost dripping out of the uh, the peach before you pick it you don't want a uh, one that's absolutely rock hard and green and it's more like an apple than it's like a peach anyone ever ha- tried those i did when i was going past the peach orchard orchard when i was going to school in my old day schools uh, old, olden days okay because olden day schools okay so it yeah, was many years ago so welcome to it's tool it's time. Um, in part two, I talked about noticing, okay? To, to notice people, we, we pay attention to them, we secretly pray for them, ninja prayer, okay? Uh, we listen to them. That's a big part of noticing as well. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about us praying for the people that we meet as a part of having a conversation with people during, during the day. See, praying to God makes sharing about God effective. Let me say that again. Praying to God actually makes sharing about God effective. Sometimes we think that if we just know the right words to say that someone uh, will believe. That the Bible awakens to us a reality that sometimes we forget, you know, that, that there's an enemy out there who's alive and well. And we forget that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's actually against the rulers and the principalities in dark places in the heavenly realms. There's no area or issue in our lives where we are most in the fight against forces that we can't see than when we're engaged in this thing called evangelism. Okay? Unless we engage our witness about Jesus with spiritual weapons, we are doomed to fail. And this is a spiritual weapon that I'm going to be giving us this morning when we're talking about prayer that we can engage and start to use to see the enemy defeated when it comes to sharing our faith with the people that we work with and love and care about the most. Is that okay? So prayer is a powerful spiritual weapon in our battle for the souls of people in our world. And here's some some powerful truths about prayer for you this morning. Number one, is prayer demonstrates our dependence on God. If we don't pray to God about stuff, it says that I'm doing things in my own strength, and I don't need God. I don't need his involvement in what I'm doing, because I'm quite happy to do this on my own, God. Now, let me know how that works out for you. Because I've, I've, I've discovered that for myself. There's some stuff that, you know, I should have prayed about before, but because of pride or you just couldn't be bothered or you're just too busy, you just didn't pray about it. And it ends in a mess where then you start to pray after the mess. You say, God, help me with this mess. Is there anyone else like me? Or the rest that wish they were? No, don't. See, only God can save people by convicting them of sin, of revealing to them the truth about Jesus and giving the gift of salvation by grace. God invites us to join with him in his redemptive activity in the world through prayer. He actually helps us to do that. We depend on God because in our own strength it's insufficient to explain spiritual truths. Because it's understood only by the power of of the Spirit, and Paul the Apostle talks to us about that. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 13 to 16, When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human understanding or human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So this is why prayer is so important when we're reaching out to people because we need to understand that God is wanting to say something to them. He wants to get through to them and God knows how they're wired. See, prayer is a weapon. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, "'Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere.'" Prayer is a powerful weapon. In this passage, you actually have the the armor of God that is explained. You have the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, and shield of faith, and so on. And it says, and pray. It says, and pray. So we can see that not only do we have the armor of God, and it's important to have that in place, but there's also this weapon that we have, and it's called prayer. Weapon is a great prayer. Sorry, prayer is a great weapon. You were going to say, I said that wrong. It's cool. Here's the other thing I know about prayer. Another powerful truth about prayer. It actually softens hard hearts. Prayer softens hard hearts. The human heart is spiritually hard and it needs to be softened. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 says this. I said... Plant the good seeds of righteousness and you'll harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. I loved one of our recent God Story Sundays where Shane talked about the parable of the sower and the seeds and stuff. It was a very powerful thing that, you know, the proportion to which we are sharing our faith and having conversations with people, you know, some of it just goes and gets choked out. Some of it falls upon hardened ground. Some of it, there's no root to it. So when the hardship comes, it just dies and withers and stuff like that. And you can read that in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23, the parable of the sower. This is another truth about prayer. Prayer makes the heart fertile and ready to receive the seed. This is why we've got to go to God in prayer when we're talking about sharing our faith and being engaged in evangelism. See, Romans chapter 2, verse 28-29, to 29, Paul paints a picture of a heart circumcised to the Lord. To circumcise our heart means to unblock it so it can hear and see the message of the gospel. And according to Paul, that happens by the Spirit. I love what Danny just shared about. Uh, um, was it Danny? No. It might have been, uh, sorry, Luke, at uh, the VIP huddle, where we have this repentant heart. We want to unblock it from stoppages and, and things that prevent us from being in tune with the Holy Spirit. So we need to make sure that our hearts are right. It only happens by prayer. It only happens by prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 7, uh, 17 says Prayer softens hearts to be receptive to the gospel. And here's another powerful truth. Prayer draws people to Jesus. The truth is we can't come to Jesus unless the Father actually draws us. In John chapter 6 verses 44 to 45, Jesus says, No one can come to me, meaning Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written to the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. In other words, the Father has to draw people. So it stands to reason that if the Father is drawing someone to him, let's ask who it is. This is not rocket science. This is not brain surgery. Okay, If we're wanting to engage with the people in our world, we've got to be asking God, God, who are you working with? And I'm going to get to that, but I don't want to jump ahead of myself because I'm excited about this message. See, only God can draw people to himself. Prayer's powerful because the God to whom we pray is all-powerful and provides us with the power to be his witnesses. I need the power of the Holy Spirit working within my life to be able to have conversations with people. I need to be in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying if I'm going to have a conversation with someone because I need someone to, to quieten that big bass drum that's happening in my chest as I need to talk to someone. You know, it, sometimes it's scary to talk to someone. How, what if I say the wrong thing? What if this is not right? What if this, they're not, they're not, and you have all these fears coming. The Holy Spirit, in my heart. Would you just in my heart? Would you help me to do this naturally and let it be a natural thing that we have this conversation? See Acts chapter 4, verses 29 to 30. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus because it's likely that the people that we're going to be drawn to, it's possible that they're going through something that's traumatic in their life. And we need the person of the Holy Spirit to walk us through that. See, prayer, prayer is powerful. Everyone say, prayer is powerful. prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. But I want to tell you right now, it, it, it remains powerless unless we pray. Prayer is powerful But if you're not praying, it's powerless. See, many Christians would say that prayer is important. Who who thinks prayer prayer is is important? For a Christian, prayer is, is important. Yeah? Okay. As powerful as it is, why is it that most Christians don't pray? There's a wide divide between our desire to pray and our practice of prayer. See, I want to pray without ceasing, but I don't. I want to ask God for my heart to be attentive and open to his promptings every day, but I don't. I pray for persistently to, to, for the people in my life to, who, who want to know Jesus. I want to pray for those people who are wanting to know Jesus, but I don't. I know that for most of my Christian life, and I'm a leader, that my prayer for the people in my world and, and stuff like that has been inconsistent at best. It's been like this, you know, you have seasons, you're going really well and, and stuff like that. Now, some of you may be absolutely fantastic, and I, you're great people. I, I just, you're people of prayer, I love it, I think it's fantastic. And I'm not taking anything away from what you're doing, I think it's incredible. Just continue to do what you're doing. But some of us here, it's inconsistent, and it's something we've got to look at. If we're going to reach the people in our world for Jesus, prayer's got to be a part of it. I mean, prayer is not even talking to a person who's unsaved. It's just talking about a person who's unsaved to God. You haven't even spoken to a a real flesh and blood person yet. You're just talking to Jesus. That was a simple point, but it was really good. It was a really good point. See, at an unconscious level, this is, this is what, what I think. At an unconscious level, I think that the people who I'm talking to about Jesus, that their conversion was up to me and my clever presentation of the gospel, my compelling explanation or argument of the gospel. And that I didn't need God for that. I thought it was all up to me. My thoughts... I thought my my, my job is to convict, confront, and convince others of their way of life. I thought if I won the argument, then surely they'd be converted. But that never happened. See, this is what I've discovered, that the kingdom of God is loving, it's exciting, it's adventurous, it's attractive, it's inviting, and it's gracious. Yet my approach seemed to be the complete opposite. My motive was always pure. I, always, I, I love people, I love God, and I just, there's a genuine uh, desire on my part to reach the people for, for Jesus. But I haven't used the tools right. I, I use my screwdriver as a, as a jemmy bar, uh, and, and I've messed it up. See, I need God's influence as I notice and pray for and listen to those who are spiritually curious. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says the gospel. Everyone say the gospel. The gospel. Not my profound words. The gospel. Not my profound words. Not my, perf- my, my persuasive argument. The gospel. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. and This is my reality though. I can't save anyone. I can't convict or convince anyone. It's not my job. It's the Holy Spirit. It's his job to do that. His job to do that. Yeah? Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. This is a powerful script. You need to underline this in your Bibles. Or like hit the highlight button on your app. Someone's got an app. Romans, sorry, revelation chapter 5 verse 8 out of the New Living Translation says, And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell, fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Now, that's the first time I've preached out of Revelation for years. But that is a powerful truth. See... All of our prayers reach God, and each one is treasured by him. Our prayers are held before God's throne in a gold bowl where he doesn't ignore them, forget them, or misplace them. They are precious and constantly before him because there are the four beings and the 24 elders who are holding these gold bowls up to the Lord saying, these are the prayers of your people. It's incense to him. See, God, here's our prayers for our family and our friends and our co-workers, for the people that we're believing to come to Christ. See, here's, a, here's a challenge for you this morning. Okay? This, this is not in my notes, but I just feel like I need to ask you this morning. Do you have a list of people you want to see come to Christ? Do you actually have, have you written out their name so that you know that when you see their name, you're going to pray for them? Whenever I have prayed for God to open up an opportunity to talk to someone about him, he has always answered that prayer. The problem has become, have I noticed the moment? Have I noticed the moment? He's always answered, he's brought people my way. I mean, who'd think about sitting in a, a business meeting with a whole heap of professional business leaders within the uh, in, uh, small business owners. Like there would have been about, I don't know, maybe 60 to 80 business leaders. That's a, a conservative estimate that was in, in that meeting last week. And, and I get to sit down with a, a couple that are engaged in a business. One's a, a financial representative. The other one's a physiotherapist. They're a couple together or partners. I'm not sure exactly where that's at. But you know what? It doesn't matter. But there's an opportunity to share about Jesus in that moment. What happened before I got to that business meeting? I want to tell you, I said to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you open up an opportunity for me today to share about Jesus with someone? Would you help me to see and recognize that moment? He answers the prayer. And I would suggest to us all this morning, if we prayed, for the people that we're going to, Lord, I'm about to 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 launch myself out into my day. Would you help me to talk to someone about who you are and what you've done in my life? Would you help me to open up an opportunity where I can value someone? I say, what's happening in your world today? What good things? Are, what what can we celebrate in your life today? What, are you struggling with anything? You, you look sad. Are you okay? That's an opportunity. In his book, Evangelism Outside the Box, Rick Richardson... (laughs) Any relation? No? Okay, You didn't write this under a pseudonym? Just checking. So Rick Richardson, in his book, Evangelism Outside the Box, says this. Before we can talk to people about God, we need to talk to God about people. That's a great statement. Most of us think introducing people to Jesus is primarily about us talking and sharing our story or God's story. We have family and friends and neighbors who are disinterested in God. They're skeptical of Christianity or apathetic towards spiritual things. And we want to tell them about God and his impact in our lives. But what if that's not where it starts? What if that's not where this starts? What if God's already initiated pursuit of these people and he simply invites us to join with him? Partnering with God and what he's doing in another person's life is an evangelism strategy that we need to employ. He's the witness. He's the one bringing people forward. He's the one that's touching another person's pain and their hurt. He's the one that wants to bring person people alongside of a lonely person. He's the person that wants to bring healing into a person's sickness. He's the one that wants to bring financial breakthrough to a person who's struggling to meet the make the ends meet in their, in their finances. He's the one that's got the job opportunity lined up for the person that's believing for a promotion or just believing for a job full stop. He's the one that's doing that. And it Makes sense for us to simply partner together with Him in what He's already doing in people's lives. Don't get me fired up. Asking God good questions about people is the first task of evangelism. Just asking God some simple good questions is a great first move in evangelism. To understand what God's doing in people's lives and what our role might be, we can ask God, we can pray to Him and ask Him these three questions. Okay? These three questions. The first question is this. Lord, where are you already at work? That's a great question. Lord, what are you already doing that I just need to see and to Notice. Second question Lord, what does this person need right now? See, I think that they might need to know Jesus and the full gospel message with a complete breakdown on the apologetics and the the hermeneutics of of Christianity and that they need to know the the, the theology and the doctrine behind the sin of man and, and that whole. No, what do they need right in that moment? Third question is, how can I invite this person to experience Jesus in a fresh way? I'm just going to to take a few minutes just to unfold each of these areas. Number one, Lord, where are you already at work? When we notice someone, we send up a secret, quick ninja prayer. Lord, what are you doing in this person's life already? My ninja prayer just went up. God, what are you doing in this, in this board meeting? I'll get you laughing shortly. Just trust me. When we notice someone, we send that prayer. When Jesus walked through the crowds, he always looked for where the Father was already at work. He always looked for that. God's desire is to get us from where we are to where he's working. See, when he reveals to us where he's working, it's his invitation to join him in that activity. Secret prayer is the activity that provides an opportunity for Christians no matter what our personality type is. We can be quiet, outgoing, shy, silly, serious, to experience God more and to participate in his work. You don't have to be a person that's completely out there to engage in prayer. God knows how you're wired. God's already moving in people's lives around us, and even if we don't realize it, then we can simply partner together with him in prayer, saying, God, what are you doing right here, right now? What, what, what's happening in this, this moment? I'm walking through the shops. Lord, what are you doing here? Help me to see what you're doing. Partner together with you. God's already moving in people's lives. So even if we don't see the evidence of his activity, he's already using their pain, their joy, their fear, or confusion to woo them to himself. When we're praying and watching for where he's working, we'll be more ready to recognize it and to join in. Second question we need to ask God is this, Lord, what does this person need right now? Not only does God know exactly what uh, uh, he's up to in each person's life, he knows each person's heart and exactly what they need at that very moment. Sometimes we think having a a significant spiritual conversation with someone who doesn't know God requires a well-rehearsed script. However, the chances are that the person that we give this practice reasoning or this argument that we thought through in our mind is, is more likely to stunt that conversation rather than lead to a compelling conversation about God. Because it becomes cliched. They're not looking for a cliche. They're looking for a relationship. They're looking for hope. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for someone to love them. They're looking for a friend. The greatest thing you could do in a spiritual conversation is say, do you want to catch up for coffee? That is an amazing thing to say to someone. you okay? Cool, just checking. A person who's grieving a loss of a relationship, a loved one, or a job isn't going to respond well to a scripted approach or any approach that doesn't meet them where they're at. See, the right words at the wrong time are still the wrong words. When we lovingly approach people where God's already at work, having already prayed to God about our day and the people that we're likely to meet, rest assured, hard hearts will be softened and opportunities opened where we can provide in some way what that person needs in that moment. It will be a word of encouragement. It might be 50 bucks. It might be a good coffee. It might be simply that you... Now We did the Safer Churches training, so... Or you can... Like, I just. You look like you're sad. You need a hug. Is that okay? <laughs> Steady, boy. <laughs> just a hug. Just a hug. Look. See, the woman caught in the act of adultery didn't need judgment. She needed grace. Jesus gave her what she needed in the moment. Zacchaeus didn't need to be shunned because of his occupation as a tax collector. He needed someone to value him for who he was in the moment. They got what they needed, not what we think they deserve. Wow. Light bulb moment. Ta-da. Have I got a tool for that? Lord, what does this person I'm talking to with right now, what do they need? Third question. Lord, how can I invite this person to experience Jesus in a fresh way? In a f- safe, fresh way. Fresh way. Fresh. Fresh. I've, in. I have tended to invite people to experience Jesus in what I now see as having been very cliche. I would invite them to church. I'd tell people uh, uh, that I meet, that Jesus will meet all of their needs or that he's always with us, that uh, he, he gives us joy. And if they ask, he'll give them that too. And they say to me, that's fine for you, but that's not what I'm looking for. You see, we often hear that. See, many people's experience with Christians or church or even God hasn't been positive. Many have been burnt by the church or hurt by Christians, or they base their understanding of God on movies on culture, on the most extreme encounters that they've had with those preaching judgment, punishment, and condemnation. That's what they think God's like. They think that God is ready there with a big stick waiting to beat them up for everything they've ever done wrong, and they do not see him as good or in a good mood. How can I invite this person to experience Jesus in a fresh way? Because I'm going to tell you now, it is highly likely that you are not the first person to ever talk to this person about Jesus. He has already been working in their lives. He's experienced Christians or they've experienced Christians or church or God in some way and they have a preconceived idea about what God is like and what we need to do is say, God, how can I help this person to experience Jesus in a fresh way? <sighs> We're all wired differently and we'll respond to God in a variety of ways. Our creator knows each person's baggage and wiring. He can show us how to introduce his son Jesus to those that we meet and talk to about him. God used a burning bush and a talking donkey to get people's attention. So he knows how to win people's hearts. So that, it, it, doesn't it make sense then that we ask God this question, how do I invite this person to experience Jesus in a fresh way? Hey what do you love to do? What, what hobbies do you have? Can we connect with them in their passion? Will music or art or poetry open up them to God's creativity and his beauty through that method? If we open up about our struggles and talked honestly about God's help in our life, would they get a glimpse of God in a new way? If we served with them, would they experience Jesus' sacrificial love personally and uniquely as we did that? How can we help them to discover God's activity and Jesus' present in, presence in their life today? So when we ask God these three simple questions, where are you already at work? What does this person need right now? How can I invite them to experience Jesus in a fresh way? When we ask these questions, we get to participate in God's work as he draws people to himself, and you haven't even spoken to a person yet. Noticing you don't have to talk to a person. You just notice. Praying, you don't have to talk to a person. You get to talk to God about the person. We haven't shared our faith yet. We're setting stuff up, things that are key and and, and are important. See, this type of intentional prayer for people who are exploring faith opens up doors for natural interactions that point to God. Never more than ever has there been a need for us to be praying for those who don't know Jesus, church. The Bible spells out clearly the ways that the enemy imprisons people. Prayer breaks spiritual barriers, keeping people from hearing the good news about Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 4 to 6 talks about the God of this age has blinded people. Lord, help me to help to take off the blinders so that they can see you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. It, t- it talks about strongholds exist in people's lives that keep them from knowing God. Paul gives us, says our spiritual weapons demolish strongholds with a divine power. Lord, prayer is one such power. So this week, and this is in your notes, there's some homework. Okay, this week's discovery. Okay, ask yourself this. Ask yourself this, why do I think we often forget to pray for someone before we start talking with them about God? Why, what, do you do that? Why do you do that? Describe a time maybe when you were moved to pray for an unbelieving family member, a friend or a stranger. What caused you to start praying for that person? How has prayer changed the way that you relate to that person? And this is this is the practical part of this this morning. This week, I want us to commit at least five minutes each day, just five minutes, and ask God these three questions when we're praying for someone who doesn't know Christ. Lord, when I think of this person, what are you already doing? So where are you already at work in this person's life? Then what does this person need right now? And then... How can I invite this person to experience Jesus in a fresh way? Hearing from God about the people we are praying for is a crucial skill when we're praying ninja prayers for those who don't know God. If we listen to the Holy Spirit for direction in our praying, who knows what kind of barriers will be broken down in our communities. Let's watch this video again and again.